I do want to talk to you this morning about Shamgar. Shamgar is one of those characters in the Bible that is is minor in the amount of the Bible that's focused on him, but his story is significant. And, And I believe this. I believe that his story, the story of his life, that it speaks significantly to us today. Shamgar's history, his story, it's summed up in one verse. There in Judges 3, the last verse, Judges 3, verse 31, it tells us this. And after Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and he too saved Israel. God, we thank you for your word today. Use it to communicate life to us. In Jesus' name, amen. One verse, and in fact, in some translations, one sentence. But one sentence can be powerful. One sentence can communicate a significant story. Let me share with you a few just one-sentence stories. After 800 miles driving nonstop to visit my family, I got lost for the only time that day within two blocks of my childhood home. How about this one? When I told my group of Boy Scouts they would need to look for signs of wildlife on our nature hike, one small bespeckled boy asked, do zombies count as wildlife? Okay, I have to tell you that I, I was a little nervous about sharing this one because of a slightly colorful word in it, but I thought I'm going to do it anyway because people love me and they know me. So uh, here's the story. When I was little, my older brother convinced me that if I never farted, I would blow up at the age of 34. (laughs) How about this one? I gave my cat a toy mouse, and she reciprocated with a real one. I just today realized that you had to pay admission to the art museum after years of my father telling me to walk right in and avoid those people in the uniforms. This one's my favorite. I've lived this story in some fashion. On a one-lane dirt road 30 miles deep into a rain-soaked state forest, it finally occurs to me, this is no place for a Toyota Corolla. (laughs) See, you can say a lot in one sentence, can't you? You can communicate a lot in one verse. In this one verse, Judges 3.31 on Shamgar, it's significant. And here's here's the message I believe that God has for us here today. All of us that are gathered here at Calvary, everyone who's watching via live stream, is this, is that our life is to matter. Our life is to count. You are called to be salt and light. Scripture says, and you will be my witness. It doesn't say that you're supposed to go and witness. It says that you will be my witness. What? Does your life say? What does your walk communicate? What does your journey present to those around you? And Shamgar, even though a a lot is not said about Shamgar, the little bit that is said, it shouts loudly. So let me give you a little bit of background. So the children of Israel... Right, Several million coming out of Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness. They finally get to the promised land. Moses dies just before they cross over to the Jordan. Joshua leads them into the promised land. 
And following Joshua, this should be a time, this, this should be a, a season when the children of Israel are stepping more and more into the promises of God. It, it, it should have been an era of advancement for God's people. But by the time that we reach the story of Judges, they should have been fully enjoying the promised land. But their inconsistency in obeying God in their, in their imitation of the idolatrous culture around them, it, it leads to repeated failure after repeated failure after repeated failure. And God raises up a series of judges to try to help his people, Israel, reconnect with him and return to his plan and to his blessing. The first was a, a, a man by the name of Othniel. Now, Othniel was Caleb's, the scripture isn't completely clear. Othniel was either Caleb's brother or cousin. But he was definitely Caleb's son-in-law. I know you can do the math and it sounds a little bit creepy. Yes, he was either his brother and son-in-law or his cousin and son-in-law. Or, or son I know that that happens in some parts of, of, of America today. Anyway... Judges 3 tells us this, that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 7, they forgot the Lord their God and served the, 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 the Baals or the Baals and Asherahs. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of Cushan Rishalim, king of Aram, Neheran, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. And so we find first the Israelites being subjected to the Arameans, to the people of Aram. And Othniel comes, and Othniel allows, our God uses Othniel to set his people free. And, and for the rest of Othniel's life, they walked in freedom. But then, when Othniel passed away, when Othniel died, they once again, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And this time, the Moabites came, and the Moabites oppressed them. So God raised up another judge by the name of Ehud. And, this, and we know this about Ehud. Ehud was a left-handed judge who, his, the fact that he was left-handed uh, allowed him to surprise the king of the Moabites and he brought the Israelites back to freedom once again and they enjoyed peace and, and, and prosperity for 80 years. So you have Othniel, Ehud, number one, number two, number four, you have Deborah. And, 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 and chapters are written about some of these judges. Many verses are written about other judges. Shamgar, one verse. And, and in between Ehud and Deborah, we find this. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, he too saved Israel. Now, it's, it's important to understand who Shamgar is, and in this, it will speak, I believe, I believe significance to us today. And, and here's what we see. We see in this man, Shamgar, we see a man who is willing to step into the gap, a man who is willing to be used to impact destiny. In fact, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that everyone has influence. Influence in family, influence in relationships, influence with lost people. Each one of us sitting here today, we have a, a, a measure of influence. And, and God wants us to use that influence to advance his kingdom, 
to position us in a place that impacts others' lives and also positions us to experience God's strength and God's blessing. When we put ourselves in the middle of God's will, when we put ourselves in the middle of God's plan for us, that's when we have the greatest opportunity to experience this fulfilling life that God intends for you. Listen, friend, life is not meant to be endured. Life is meant to be enjoyed. If if you think about the story of Jesus, some of the most significant things that are said about Jesus are said in one sentence. It said this about Jesus, he came enjoying life. One sentence that speaks volumes. Jesus was a friend of sinners. One sentence that speaks volumes. And Shamgar, in this one verse, it speaks volumes and it should influence us today in God's calling on our life to influence others. What does it mean to be a person of influence? Well, if we look at the story of Shamgar, our our one-verse focus today, here's what we see. It starts with this. It says, and after Ehu came Shamgar, son of Anath. And here's what I want to point out to you is this, is that Shamgar led willingly. Now, if you follow the history of nations, you will find this. That oftentimes, one individual is succeeded by their offspring, their son, their daughter. Sometimes it can go a little bit sideways and it will be an uncle, a relative, a cousin. But there tends to be a familial line, doesn't there? Right? One king is followed by their son, which is followed by their son, which is followed by their son. Or it could be As in the story of Moses and Joshua, there is the master and then there's the servant. Or there's the leader and the assistant. And when when, when the leader steps out of the picture, the assistant rises up. And it's someone who is known, it's someone um, who who is well experienced. And they have all of the qualifications. This is not the case with Shamgar. What do we know about Shamgar? The first thing that we know is this, is Shamgar is most likely not an Israelite by birth. We know that Shamgar is most likely not an Israelite by birth because his name, Shamgar, is not a Hebrew name. It's a Canaanite name. So Shamgar's connection to the people of Israel is a a connection that came about not because of biology. It's a connection that came about not because of history. It's it's a connection that came about because he embraced this principle of who Yahweh is, who God is. Shamgar was most likely not an Israelite. And we know that not just because of his name, we also know because of where it says that he he comes from. Shamgar, the son of Anath. Anath. Anath was not a Hebrew connection. Anath was a Canaanite goddess. Anath is the sister to Baal. So if you've been in church, you've heard this word Baal a lot, right? The false god, the Canaanite god, Baal, or Baal. Anath, although not talked about as much because she's not mentioned as much in Scripture, Anath in in, in Canaanite mythology, Anath is the sister 
to Baal, and she is the goddess of war. And she comes to Baal's aid, and she, she rescues him in, in Canaanite mythology. So Shamgar is the son of Anath, which means this. It means one of three things. It either means that he was a follower of Anath. It means he came from a Canaanite town, Beth Anath, or that he was a Canaanite warrior. Regardless of, of why it says son of Anath, here's what we know. It does not say son of Joshua. It does not say son of Caleb. It doesn't say follower of Moses. Shamgar was a man that it doesn't make sense in the natural that he would be leading Israel. That he would be the one that would bring about the salvation of Israel in this time period. And so he doesn't lead out of obligation. He he doesn't lead because it's his familial history. He, He doesn't lead because he's expected to. And it's interesting to me that Israel at this time numbers in the millions, and yet it's a Canaanite who says, in this moment, I'm willing to be used by God. And and you might come here today and you say this, listen, I don't have the pedigree. I I don't have the name. I I don't have the background. I I don't have all of that. You know, I I go to church and and I know that there are people at Calvary that they've they've been here for decades and and their parents were raised here and their grandparents were raised here. And and, and I don't have that connection. In fact, I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor's kid. I'm not an elder's kid. I, I'm not a deacon's kid. I'm not a missionary's kid. I, I'm, a, I'm a sinner's kid. I will tell you, friends, I stand before you. I am the son of a barmaid and a brute. I'm a first-generation Christian. I, I, I still am regularly amazed that God affords me the opportunities that he affords me. My my first ministry assignment, I was a youth pastor. I had a youth group of one, and that was overwhelming. I I was. I was the youth pastor, the assistant pastor, in a youth group of one in a church of 35. Our entire church, the entire building, would fit on this stage. Our entire building would sit on the portion of this stage that actually drops into the floor. I still, I'm amazed at God, that, that God allows me to do what God allows me to do. My, my first assignment as a lead pastor was in a church of, of about 70 people. Our, our church sanctuary was about the size of the chapel in the lobby of this building. And, and I look today and I go, God, that you allow me to be a part of something as significant as what you're doing at Calvary. The, the, the fact that, that, we're, that we're launching a major outreach center like Orlando Hope, the, the fact that we're, that we're able to impact in a significant way around the world, the, the fact that this year that our church will eclipse the $1 million mark in missions, can I, can I offer you this? In the natural, I'm not qualified. I don't have the pedigree. And you know what I find? I find I serve alongside a bunch of people that in the natural don't, don't have the qualifications, don't have the pedigree. But God has a wonderful way of energizing and equipping the willing. God has a wonderful way of empowering those 
who just say yes to him. And the enemy would love to convince you that you can't have an impact in your school. The enemy would love to convince you that you can't have an influence in your workplace. The enemy would love to convince you that you can't have a voice in your neighborhood. The enemy would love to convince you that you can't change your city. And he will point out to you the lack of a pedigree, the lack of experience, the lack of a family line that speaks to your qualifications. Well, it might sound cliche, and it has been said over and over again, but God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And recognize today that if Jesus lives in your heart and you have a pulse in your body, then God has called you to do the kingdom for such a time as this. And all that it takes, friend, is you being willing. Shamgar does not fit the picture. This shouldn't surprise us, right? Because a few judges later, Gideon, Gideon doesn't fit the picture. When we, trans, when we transfer from judges to kings, David doesn't fit the picture. Over and over again, God uses people who don't quite fit the picture, but are willing to say, I am willing. Listen, this time period that, that Shamgar lived in, this was not an opportunity. It wasn't an opportunity on any level. Because where Israel was at, Israel was at a place of significant despair. Here's what we, here's what we find, both in, in, in Judges 3 and then in, in, in the next couple of chapters, here's what we find. We find this, that, that the children of Israel are being attacked, they're being beat down by the Philistines. Who are the Philistines? Those might be people that you've heard about because you've been around church enough that you've heard the story of the Philistines, right? You know that, that Goliath was a Philistine, and this was a, a, a people group that Israel was consistently doing battle against. Well, the Philistines, it's believed that they originally were island people. They were seagoing people, and they made their way. And, and, and first, they tried to invade Egypt, and Egypt thwarted their advance. So then what they did is they turned, they turned their attention northward, and they came and they attacked Israel. And the Egyptian people, or, or, I'm sorry, the Philistines, one of the, one of the things that is noteworthy about the Philistines is this, is they had advanced weaponry. In, in these days, it was the beginning of the Iron Age. And unfortunately, the Israelites did not have the ironwork and the ironworkers that other peoples in that time period had. They, they didn't have the ironwork that the Canaanites had. They didn't have the ironwork that the Philistines had. In fact, here's what it tells us. It tells us uh, over and over again in Scripture that they did not have it, that, that, that their, their enemies had superior weaponry. Okay? And, and we see this over and over and over again. Okay? It says this in Judges 5.8. It says, When Israel chose new gods, war erupted at the city gates, yet not a shield or spear could be seen among the 40,000 warriors in Israel. So their enemies had chariots. They had swords. They had shields made of iron. What did the children of Israel have? Not a sword or a spear. In fact, in this story, in this context, we see Shamgar going to battle with an ox goad. 
It is, it is not a good time. It is, it is not a good opportunity. Life was filled with uncertainty and insecurity. In fact, it tells us this in Judges 5, 6, and 7. It says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads, and travelers stayed on winding pathways. There were few people that were left in the villages of Israel. They were under such oppression that they were living in the hills. They were under the Philistine thumb to such a degree that they wouldn't even travel on the roads. They were so beat down. This wasn't one of those things that it was an opportunity of a lifetime. It, it, It wasn't where Shamgar was presented the chance to lead a great people and to lead a great nation. They were in utter despair. And Shamgar leads not because it's an opportunity. Shamgar leads not because he thinks it will bring him prominence. He leads because simply someone has to do it. Friend, we live in a day and age, May 28, 2017, where God is calling a people to rise up, not for the sake of a name, not for the sake of prominence, not for the sake of glory, but simply because someone has to do it. We live in a place, we live in a time, we live in a city that desperately needs Jesus. And God brought you here today, I'm convinced, to ask you the question, are you simply willing? Are you simply willing? Because it's amazing what God can accomplish through the willing if we're just willing And in the midst of that, in the midst of pretty grim circumstances, Philistine forces, superior weaponry, superior transportation, rampant fear, low morale, spiritual decline, Shamgar steps into that moment, and he doesn't just lead willingly. He does it courageously. It tells us this, that he struck down 600 Philistines. 600 Philistines. Philistines. He can't simply sit back and watch what's happening. He can't. Something in him will not allow him to do that. Something internal compels him to engage. And even if he has to go it alone, even if he has to do it alone, he's going to do it. And Shamgar moved by courage to act, courage to try, courage to give it a go. He goes after it with an ox goad. An ox goad. Now, let me, let, me, let me offer this to you. It's very easy when you're reading Scripture to come across sentences like Judge, Judges 3.31 and just read past them and not catch the significance. And yet, it's powerful when we understand what's going on. It's powerful when we understand that Shamgar is a Canaanite name and that son of Anath refers to a Canaanite goddess. It's also important to stop and go, let's see, he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. What is an ox goad? Well, an ox goad is quite simply, it's a long stick. And on one end, it has a pointy end. Hopefully, it's got a a, a strong object, a stone object or a metal object on the end that's made into a point that you can jab the ox with, right, to goad them along. And then on the other end of this long stick, Okay, about two inches in diameter on the end of this long stick, there's the equivalent of a paddle, okay, or even like a chisel-like end. And what that's for, it's for cleaning the mud off of the plow, okay, or cleaning the mud off of your shoes. So imagine a paddle on one end 
okay, and a point on the other end. He has this big stick, okay, and with this big stick, he puts down 600 Philistines. Moses has a staff. David had a sling. Samson uses the jawbone of a donkey. Gideon uses trumpets and pots. Shamgar uses a big stick, an ox goad. And he, and, he, and, he, and he goes after it, right? Here's what we see. The key component in each one of these people is that it did not make sense. But here's what they did. They had courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willing to move forward in spite of the fear around you. It's having this confidence that God, even though I might in the natural have some anxiety over this, I know that you're bigger than my fear. Let me let you in on a little secret. I am afraid almost every day. I go, okay, God, if this doesn't work, wow. Right? Um, let me tell you what I, uh, 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 among the things that were on my schedule this week, I, I met with a group of people to ask them for $2 million. I, I want to let that sink in for a minute. $2 million. That is, um, like, that freaks me out. I just want you to know, that really does. It freaks me out to walk in and go, hi, we're working on this project called Orlando Hope. We would like for you to invest in it. Really, how much would you like us to invest? I would really like for you to invest a minimum of $2 million. It is tough to do that without having your voice crack. Can I just offer that to you? Okay? And I, I, I walked in there going, what if they say no? What if they laugh at me? What if they go, get out? Because I have this voice in my head. Maybe you don't have it. I have this voice in my head that regularly tells me of my inability. That, that, that regularly confronts me on my faults and failures. That regularly will tell me about my lack of qualifications. Does anybody else have that voice? Does it speak to anybody else? Right? And it speaks into our life daily. By the way, if you don't have that, I love this quote, only, only, only fools and madmen have no fear. Only fools and madmen have no fear. So if you have no fear, I would ask you, the, no, that, anyway, you, you can work with that. And, and it, it, like, if, if that offends you, I didn't say it, I'm just quoting somebody else. But courage, courage is the willingness that, that in spite of that voice in our head, right, in spite of that emotion that sometimes can overwhelm us, that we go, look, I've got to move forward in spite of this. Shamgar, I'm convinced that Shamgar didn't go into battle with arrogance. He looked at this ox goat and went, okay, here it goes. Right? I've, I've learned about from my Israelite friends, I've, I've learned about this God, Yahweh. And here's what I know. I know our God, Baal, fails. I know our God, goddess Anath fails but it seems like this God Yahweh that, that he, he never fails now there are times that his people have failed but every time they turn to him he responds I have to do something that was Shamgar's thought there's a lot more of them than there is of me. They have shields, they have swords, they have spears. I've got a big stick. 
you know what? They might take me out, but if they take me out, they're going to take me out trying. tell you something about Ed Garvin. My greatest fear is not failure. I failed more times than I can remember. My greatest fear is missing a moment of opportunity. And I know this. I know that for everything that we can do, there are a myriad of excuses for why not to do it. And Shamgar could have looked at that ox goat and looked at their weaponry and said, you know what, I think I need to wait until we get better armament. I need to wait until our technology catches up. I think I, think I, need, to, I, think I need to step back. I think I need to regroup. But he doesn't do that. He, he doesn't use the fact that he's facing insurmountable odds. He doesn't use that as an excuse. And if we're not careful, what can happen is that voice in our head, not only can it question our qualifications, our ability, and try to mess with our identity, that same voice will also bring to you a long list of ready-made excuses. Somebody else will do it. It's not your place to do it. You've done more than enough. You've put in your time. There's all, all kinds of different things. struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat. For all that is suggested in those words, struck down. Surely we cannot escape the effort and the sheer determination required. Shamgar had to put some blood and sweat into taking out 600 Philistines. He refused to cave in to all the available excuses that, that would have been at his disposal. And with an ox goat, He began his march towards victory. Ten. And then twenty. And forty. Sixty. A hundred. A hundred and twenty. Two hundred and fifty. Three hundred. Four hundred. Five hundred. Six hundred. It's just... It is a mind-numbing number but then it's followed with this he too saved Israel of the several million Israelites that were alive at this point they all knew their history It was not just recorded on scrolls. It was painstakingly shared through oral tradition from father to son, from family to family, from generation to generation. Every family would teach their children about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua. They knew it. They knew the stories of God's deliverance. And yet, when the rubber met the road, 
Instead of choosing to trust in God, they instead, they ran in fear. And Shamgar, this Canaanite, first generation Godfather. In my belief, he says, you know what? If these stories are true, I see a pattern of God showing up again and again and again and again and again. In fact, I don't see anywhere where God's people step out in righteousness and step out in in, in courage where God goes, yeah, not this time. So as long as we step out in righteousness, as long as we step out in courage, we don't need any excuses. We can go forward. And there's one verse. There's one verse in the Bible about Shamgar. And it ends with this. And he too saved Israel. saved a nation can I tell you something selfishly should the Lord tarry when my life is done here's what I want them to say about me he reintroduced Orlando to Jesus The almost 2 million people that are in Orlando today that aren't in church. That's what I'd like for to be said about me. He, he reintroduced Orlando to Jesus. If, 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 if they could only write one sentence, man, there are cultural challenges. There are resource challenges. There are spiritual challenges. There's, there's all of that. And I'm pretty unqualified. I kind of feel like I'm standing with an ox goat in my hand. God that was with Othniel is with us. I think the same God that was with Ehud is with us. I think the same God that was with David is with us. I think the same God that was with that was with Caleb is with us. I think the same God that was with Gideon is with us. I think the same God that was with Moses is with us. I think he's the same God. And I see this track record, right? If we're willing to engage willingly, right? If we're willing to do this courageously and set aside the excuses, God has a legacy for you and God has a legacy for me. An opportunity to do something of significance because God has not called you. Listen, God has not called you. God has not called you 
to survival. And he has not called you to success. He's called you to significance. In spite of the excuses, in spite of the lack of some identity or some pedigree, he's called you. And he's brought you here today. He's brought you into this place at this time to offer this prophetic word to you. And just as he used Shamgar, he can use you. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your resume looks like to this point. I don't care how many times you've fallen down. And after Ehud was Shamgar, son of Anath. He defeated 600 Philistines with an ox goad. And he too saved Israel. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.